Hi. These babies are crying because you haven't downloaded the Season 1 soundtrack. Communicore Weekly's online store for 99 cents. Don't you want these babies to stop crying? Can, can we stop now? It's a lot of babies. Welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. I'm Keith. And I'm Jeff. And uh, we wanted to... W- Wait a second. You're not George. Is this, a, is this a Kevin Yee thing? Is that what's happening? Uh, I just showed up and they told me to come in here and start recording. So here I am. Are, are they paying you? No, there's money? No, that's why I was making sure that they weren't paying you. Because if they were paying you and not paying me... I would be a little upset. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, hold on, wait a second. Yeah, make me check out the Keith Glow. Yeah, no, there's no money, dude. It's just, okay. I don't know. I don't know anything about this, any money. This sounds legit, so as long as yeah. we're on the same page here. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, as you can tell, George isn't here this week. He's out sick. Um, his mom called him out sick today, so I invited Keith Gluck of the Disney Project onto the show to co-host with me because I know he would do an awesome job, and he's awesome. Uh, but don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Thank you very much. How's it going, everybody? Really, uh, my pleasure to be here. And um... he's lying. <laughs> Hold on, wait, wait, one more time. Hold on. Try it again. Be, be more serious this time about it. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Your pleasure to be here, please. <laughs> anyway, just a couple, a little quick announcements. Now, beginning of the show, before the theme song kicked in, you heard some crying babies, and that's because you were not buying the Communicore Weekly Season 1 soundtrack. But that's okay. Oh. Keith, did you buy it? Dude, well, no. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's a reason, though, because I got it for free, because when you did the whole um, uh, event uh, raising money for the victims of uh, Hurricane Sandy, I... I donated a certain amount of money and I got it for free. So that's right. I, All right, you're you give a, get a pass then. <laughs> I will say that it is highly worth ninety nine cents. As a matter of fact, that's a very accurate assessment as to how much that album is worth. Yes. And I would definitely recommend paying that money because it's a great album. Maybe even a dollar ninety nine if you buy it off of iTunes. <laughs> but uh, you can get it at communicoweekly.com. There's links to the CD Baby store or the iTunes store, and there's a link to download a track for free, uh, namely the Five Legged Goat song, because who who doesn't love the Five Legged Goat song? I love it. I adore it. There you go. Anyway, so on uh, Tuesday, March 22nd, if any one of you have... Uh, are in Tom's River, New Jersey, I'll be giving a presentation at the Tom's River uh, Public Library about five-legged goats and uh, Roy Crump. So uh, check out CommunicorWeekly.com. That's got all the information on it there as well. And if you're seriously, if you're in New Jersey, come out and say hi, because this is probably the last time you'll ever see me in Jersey again. <laughs> Tom's River, New Jersey. Especially Tom's River, New Jersey. Actually, that probably will be the last time I'm ever in Tom's River, New Jersey again. <laughs> no disrespect. Well- 
I'll try to make it out there. I don't know if I can make it there after work though. I got off work at two thirty. Uh, with the I'll time difference and yeah, I don't know, Keith. That's kind of a far drive for you. I mean, I understand if you don't want to go. That's cool. Put me down as a maybe. I'll do that. It's time for Disney history. So growing up, my favorite Disney film was the underappreciated 1994 classic, The Three Caballeros. Highly underappreciated. Highly, highly underappreciated. Love that film. Uh, So do I. Favorite. It's still my favorite film. I I think not even Disney, but almost overall, too, it's my favorite film. But uh, most of you guys know that already, especially if you uh, watched way back in episode three, where a may or may not have sang a song about it but we're not here to talk about how awesome that song was right now unfortunately that song is also not on the soundtrack which is 99 cents if you go to communicweekly.com but if you want to listen to it it's there anyway i'm really not sure what i love so much about this movie still because i watched it over and over as a kid and i i wore out that original vhs tape that we copied off the tv uh the movie when it was playing and then we bought the real one and then i wore that one out because i watched it over and over again um Maybe it was the the bright, vibrant colors of South America, or it was the cute penguin named Pablo, or the cultural significance of the film. Um, I probably just had the hots for Aurora Miranda. That's that's probably what it was. Nice. Um, regardless, the film is my favorite, and because of that, I'm attached to a character who gets very, very little love from the Walt Disney Company, and that is the dapper Brazilian parrot, Jose Carioca. No posada, no shelter. <laughs> In 1941, Walt Disney was asked to take a little tour of South America and share with its people the artistic culture of the United States. He wasn't too keen on the idea at first, though. Uh, He was deciding that he wouldn't be very good at um, heading down um, there to do a goodwill tour, he called it. Uh, But then it was suggested that maybe he should go down to make some pictures. Um, And that, of course, struck his fancy. I'd like to do that, Walt said. I'd feel better about going to, to, to really do something instead of just shaking hands. Uh, Walt took about 16 of his animators, artists, and writers to visit South American countries on behalf of the U.S. government, which hoped Walt could stem the rising tide of Nazism and fascism in that region just prior to the U.S. involvement in World War II. Uh, The idea was to include South American themes in upcoming films to help bolster goodwill and cajole the countries away from the Axis powers. Now, the, the trip itself, it really came at a really good time for Walt himself and the Walt Disney Company, because back at home, his animators were in the middle of a five-week strike, which was really starting to take its toll on Walt, and especially on his health as well. Um, and the trip, it really gave Walt and uh, those he brought along with him time to get away for a little bit and recharge their batteries and kind of work on something really creative. Um, that really fantastic film, well, uh, Walt, oh my god, Walt, jeez. <laughs> Walt and El Grupo, it really, it covers that entire trip in great detail, and it's definitely a topic that we're going to have to explore on Communico Weekly at some point, um, and we'll probably have to have Keith back to talk about it, too. I would absolutely love that. That's one of my favorite documentaries, great film. Um, on the trip you were just talking about, uh, that's where Jose Carioca was born. Uh, Jose hails from Rio de Janeiro, and Carioca is the term used for a person born in Rio, so in English, his name translates to Joe from Rio. Very original, guys. Very original. Very nice. Um, In his cartoons, Jose is mostly well-dressed. He holds a trusty umbrella, not unlike Mary Poppins, and he smokes a cigar. Contrary to popular belief, though, Jose did not show up on a silver screen first. Uh, He first appeared in October of 1942, and that was in the Silly Symphony's comic strip. Uh, He appeared there as part of a a pre-release publicity 
for his first theatrical appearance, which was 1943's Saludos Amigos, which was uh, another one of the films that was produced from the, uh, the Goodwill tour. Uh, he is introduced as Donald Duck's friend in the final sequence, Acuela do Brasil. In that sequence, Jose teaches Donald the samba using the music of Brazil and Tico Tico no Fuba to help get Donald into the groove. Jose Oliveira used his vocal talents to bring Jose to life. Now, that cartoon's popularity uh, led to Jose popping up several more times in Walt Disney's comics and stories. He and the new character of Panchito Pistoles, um, they co-starred in The Three Caballeros, where they introduced Donald to more of the wonders of South America, um, though I'm pretty sure Donald only remembers all the women that he chased throughout the entire film. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Donald like that really anywhere else in any of his appearances, mostly because um, he's in another country and Daisy's not around. So I, th- I think that's the reason why. I always wondered as a kid, I was like, where's Daisy? I guess I guess it's, you know, uh, what happens in Rio, right? I, he was just, he was after the ladies in that one. Listen, guys, it's a different zip code. It doesn't count, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> according to Donald Duck logic. So Disney also planned to produce a series of films based on uh, Jose and his pretty parrot girlfriend, Aurora, um, but the cartoons actually never made it beyond the storyboard uh, stage, which is unfortunate because I totally would watch them. Uh, his actual, his next theatrical appearance wouldn't occur into a very, very brief cameo in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Asterisk. Maybe in Alice in Wonderland? See, you sent me that before. I'm still not convinced it's him. <laughs> All right, for everybody listening, uh, I'm not convinced either, to be honest with you. I do think it's a generic green parrot because if you look closely, there's another one in the back. But if you guys get a chance, go to the um, trial scene in Alice in Wonderland and they show the jury um, a few times. And there's a green parrot in the front row, I believe, to the right. And I think there's actually another green parrot in the back row left. So some say that's him, some say that's, some say that's not. Um, I'm going to actually say not because there is no cigar and there's no umbrella. Yeah, and you know what? I'm looking at the, the credits right now for the movie, and it just listed as generic green parrot. That's the character name. So. <laughs> there you go. I'm, <laughs> I'm Buck for the win. Did my research. So... Well, in any case, that didn't keep this bird down because uh, he's actually become sort of a cultural icon back in his native land. Jose's adventures were chronicled in weekly comics that also featured Nestor, a crow who's Jose's best friend, Aurora, Jose's girlfriend, and his nephews, Zico and Zeca. In 1962, Brazil started producing counterfeit Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck comics by superimposing images of Jose over the original Disney characters. As a result, Jose became an even bigger national star. Few people had suspicions since Mickey and Donald comics weren't prevalent in Brazil. Eventually, though, people began to note some grave artistic errors. For example, the hazy silhouettes and shadows of Mickey and Donald that sometimes appeared around Jose. Yeah, that was kind of a giveaway. Yeah, just, just a little bit of a giveaway. <laughs> I don't wait. Jose doesn't have two round ears on the top of his head. What's that? Yeah, that's a little bizarre. <laughs> they didn't do their homework. <laughs> But uh, in 1965, these counterfeits, they actually ceased production, and a new official Jose stories, they began to come out again. Um, And Brazil actually still produces a comic starring Jose, which is really a testament to his lasting appeal among the Brazilian people. Um, He even recently began to take on a super secret hero persona, and that is the Green Bat. And I don't know how to say it. Um, It's Morcego Verde? I don't know. That's what the Brazilians call him. No, no, it's Morcego Verde. Oh, thank you for that awesome, awesome Jose as Christian Bale impression. 
Now I need some water. Go ahead. <laughs> But nowadays, Jose has actually returned to America as a, one of the big-time stars in the revamped Grand Fiesta tour in、uh, Epcot's Mexico Pavilion, which I love. Love it. Love it. So the ride features a new storyline with a new ca- three. Three caballeros re- reuniting for a show in Mexico City, and of course Donald goes missing because he's chasing off a woman again. I don't know, and it's up to Jose and Panchito to search throughout the Mex-、uh, the land of Mexico to find him. And then the ride concludes with all the birds finally arriving at the show to sing their classic theme song with fireworks exploding overhead and all sorts of fun stuff. And in the ride,、um, Jose was th- voiced this time by Rob Paulson. Hey Jeff. Yes. Have you ever been to Bahia? I, I don't know. <laughs> I have another question: Will Jose Carioca ever return to the screen again? I hope so. Me too.、Um, Don Rosa did write two comic sequels to the original film: one in 2000 entitled "The Three Caballeros Ride Again," and another in 2005 called "The Magnificent Seven Minus Four Caballeros." The comics are somewhat hard to find these days. They're they're quite excellent if you can get a hold of them. Jose, along with my man Panchito and Donald, still appear occasionally outside the Mexico Pavilion in Epcot, and they are all featured on some merchandise throughout. So, if we buy all that merchandise, guys, we are—it's already proven with Cars and Cars Land and Cars Two. So, if、oh, we、God. buy all this merchandise with Jose on it, he's got to come back, right? <laughs> that's flawless、yeah. Disney logic. If if that's the、uh, the way to do it, then they'll clone、uh, Grand Fiesta Tour in, in every park. I, I'm on board with this idea. Let's do it. Buy the merch. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's book of the week. Oh, well, th- this is this is a little awkward because I forgot about the book of the week. Um, George usually does that because you know his name's in the theme song and everything. My name isn't in the theme song. Um. Hey Keith, how about you tell us about a book? Uh, I don't know how to read. Oh, well, let let's just do something else then. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's a debate. Who's gonna win it? So, for those of you who read my shit、uh, every. Week or two weeks,、um, Keith and I write a biweekly column called "Dueling Disney," where we fight about stuff、uh, in from Walt Disney World and Disneyland to see who has the better version of it. Keith obviously takes Disneyland, and I take Walt Disney World because those are our home resorts. Don't know、yep. what we're gonna do next month when I move, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> but that'll still be your home resort. It'll、so. it'll still be my home resort, and I'll still defend it. So we thought we'll take a Disney debate and we'll we'll turn it into a, a dueling Disney, if you will, and talk about the best World Showcase Pavilion at Epcot. Because I mean, we all know the best one is the Norway、France. Pavilion, the Norway Pavilion. See, you forget that I have the power to edit whatever you say out. <laughs> so you can say whatever your choice is, all you want. Nobody's gonna hear it. It's just gonna sound like a goat bang in the background. So I'm gonna say France, and every time I say France, you're gonna edit in like my voice and like. Manipulated to say it's going to be it's going to be my voice. You're going to be like, I love the Norway Pavilion. That's what it's going to sound like. Well, I'm kidding, guys. I'm too lazy to do any of that. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it's, clear, it's clearly France is the best pavilion. It is not even a debate. This is more like a Disney discussion, and it's me telling you about how much better France is than Norway. Sir Keith, you're out of time. So let's talk about Norway. <laughs> um, 
Norway is the best because we had our live show there, and there's also an attraction, and it's very authentic, and you can drink water out of a shampoo bottle. Welp, debate over. I win. <laughs> you know, as far as I know, the film Impressions de France is the only attraction that has remained untouched since opening day, which is cool in itself, but that said, it still manages to look newer than Norway's film. Okay, in, in Norway's de defense, it wasn't an opening day pavilion, and it is a shorter film, and it does have to play more times, and it's terribly boring. Okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> it's it's not a very good film, but I like to pretend it doesn't exist. I'll just go on Maelstrom and continue walking through the fishing village and be like, oh, I don't hear anything. Let's just keep walking. <laughs> Speaking of walking through villages, if you want to pass through the United Kingdom, you can walk over a bridge that is a, a replica of the original Pont des Arts, which was a pedestrian bridge that went over the Seine River in, in France. And you can walk over and you can choose from a variety of eateries. Uh, for example, if you want some you know, wonderful French cuisine, you can go to Les Chefs de France. Uh, you might run into Remy every once in a while there. Or if you would like some upscale affair, you can head upstairs to the new uh, Monsieur Paul. Or if you just want a sandwich or some absolutely delicious desserts, you can head to the back of the pavilion for the Boulangerie Patisserie Les Halles. Um, or if you want, you can go to the, grab a waterside table next to the uh, World Showcase uh, Lagoon and enjoy some fresh crepes. I mean, this is not uh, a difficult decision. I mean, France kills Norway. Uh, I disagree because... Let's all right. Let's go for authenticity here. The state church. I mean, that is a real church that they modeled it off after. And you can go in there, and, and you can actually learn the history stuff about the history of Norway, which we discussed on the live show last week. Also, you want to talk about authentic dining? It doesn't get more authentic than dining with princesses in the Norway <laughs> pavilion. There is nothing like eating dinner with jasmine in Norway. That is authentic. I have Listen, to agree with you there. I mean, Disney goes 110% with this stuff. So I'm really, I'm not entirely sure where you're coming from. And I get it. You know, I understand you like France. I like France too. Still gonna have to go with Norway. And uh, since since you're, you're only guest co-hosting this podcast, I'm gonna end the discussion <laughs> and say that I won. Is that cool with you? Yes. France. Yes, that's cool with me. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. I'm glad you agree. Vive la France. Sometimes it's a one, sometimes it's a two When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break A bathroom break So not too long ago, Keith over here went to Disneyland Paris, was a lucky guy, and he was kind enough to send us some photographs from it, mostly of the bathrooms. And he's gonna tell us a little bit about a bathroom called uh, In the Blue Lagoon. So tell us a little bit about it, Keith. Bonjour, venez faire un voyage avec moi à Adventureland, à Disneyland Paris. Situé dans le fort de Paris de Cariba, le restaurant Blue Lagoon permet de faire des plats exotiques Creole au clair du lune, à côte de Pomer tropicaux, des sables blancs et de la bateau flottante transportant des passagers prêts à navigueur avec les pirates. So that's two semesters of French, ladies and gentlemen. Still blue... do better than I did. <laughs> the Blue Lagoon restaurant is Disneyland Paris's equivalent to the Blue Bayou in Anaheim. Uh, much like its sister restaurant in Disneyland, guests can catch a glimpse of the slow-moving boats that whisk adventurers off be seeking adventure with salty old pirates. The Imagineers took great care with the restaurant's interior. Original Mark Davis artwork can be seen throughout, 
and a company that specializes in the restoration of French historical monuments was brought in to add authenticity. To, to like, authentic pirate bathrooms? To the whole place, man. The entire restaurant. I don't care about the rest of the restaurant. I want to hear about the bathrooms. They Were they authentic pirate bathrooms? Oh, I'm getting to the bathroom. Okay, go on. The Imagineers even asked the workers to make the building a little less perfect than they otherwise would have as to lend to the buccaneer feel. So the bathrooms, you ask. The bathrooms, uh, the feel actually extends to the bathrooms. Uh, I feel they capture the essence of a great big wooden pirate ship. The doors themselves are fashioned from charred wooden planks, uh, and they lead into small salle du bain with one stall and one urinal. Well, that's in the men's room anyway. I didn't make it to the women's room. So you don't you know what's in the women's room? I don't. You know, Keith, I send you across the pond so you can check out these bathrooms for us, and you don't even have the decency to check out the women's room. I don't, I don't have any other words other than I failed. <laughs> as long as you are aware. <laughs> Dude, even when I was taking a picture of the girls wrestling, they were looking at me where like the door would open. They, I would be standing there with a the camera like they thought it was like I was peeping or something. It was, oh, this, this weird American guy again. <laughs> so in the bathroom, they're actually really small. There's, um, like I said, there's one urinal, there's one stall, and there's two mirrors, one above the sink and one in the back wall. And both of them are in the shape of a porthole, so it's kind of cool. It really does look like you're in like a pirate ship in there. Um, it's just the bathrooms are, are pretty tiny. So you're saying don't go in there with someone else. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying if you go in there, uh, prepare to be cramped or prepare to wait outside because there is not a lot of room. But not outside the women's room with a camera because that's weird. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. <laughs> so if you, if you ever find your way to the Yacht and Beach Club at Walt Disney World, and I haven't because it's way too expensive and out of my price league. Sorry, I Martina. Have. All I right, have. Keith. All right, so what are you using, your GVC points? Yeah, that's my home resort, so it, I can pretty much stay there anytime I Using want. GVC doesn't count as real money. It's like <laughs> using Monopoly money. Oh, okay. I, I guess the monthly uh, payments I make, though, though that seems kind You of pay real. in Disney dollars, and that's not a real thing either. Come on. <laughs> I pay in tears. <laughs> so anyway, the Yacht Beach Club, kind of like all the other resorts, there are elevators. And you know that this is one of the higher-end hotels because they actually have four elevators in the lobby. Guess what, guys? Joke's on you. Only three of those elevators are real. One is actually cleverly disguised, and it's a fake. But that's actually only to help balance out the feng shui of the room. Um, there's actually payphones, or there were payphones, located directly behind the fake set of elevator doors. But having three elevators just looks weird, so they had the four to balance the whole thing out. So they built the fake set of doors, and they're the doors without the small opening on the top left-hand side, so that's how you know it's fake. But if that one opens, don't go in that one, because I don't know where it's going to take you. Nowhere good. No. Twilight Zone. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for watching, listening, and absorbing. Yeah, be, feel free to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. Let us know if you like Keith as, as a special guest co-host when George is out sick. You can email them at communicorweekly at gmail.com. Or you can like us at facebook.com slash weekly. You can follow us on Twitter at Imaginerding, at Jeff Heimbuck, and at Disney Project. For George Taylor, I'm Keith Gluck. And for George Taylor and Keith Gluck, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. 
Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show. Upgrade.